Good morning, church. Good morning. How's it going? So good. It's good to be home. Um, the staff and I, we took off and went to Florida for the entire week. How's that? Went to 30A, rained half the week. Somebody wasn't praying hard enough. Just kidding. No, it was, we appreciate it, honestly. Thank you. No, we, we had such a great time connecting, and um, I don't know if it was that or the hour of sleep extra, but, you know, I just feel so encouraged to be in the house of God today. How about you? feel very excited about this brand new sermon series that we're kicking off today on money. I know sometimes it's tough to get excited about sermon series on finances because, you know, people immediately feel fear. Like, oh my goodness, what is God going to ask me to give? If you're there today, good. Because I just like to be in a position to take risk with the Holy Spirit. Because everything awesome I've ever seen in my life has come as a result of hearing something phenomenally challenging from God and saying yes anyway. And I don't even know that this sermon series is going to be phenomenally challenging for some of you guys. For some of you, it may be a review. But I want to encourage you to posture your heart in such a way that it's wide open to hearing from heaven in regards to what God has to say about your finances. Okay, not just what I have to share on the basis of one person's opinion, but what is it that the Word of God has to say about our money? And it's very important that we know what God has to say about every single aspect of our lives. Amen? which includes our money, amen? And I don't know about you, but I would like to be more blessed, amen? If they don't want it, Lord, I'll take it. I sign up for it. But I believe that we serve an incredibly generous God. Do you agree? Uh, the most famous passage of scripture in the entire Bible, John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? God is so generous. When we become generous, uh, we're not giving to get. We are giving to be transformed into the image and likeness of our generous Father. And I don't know about you, but I want to look more like God every single day that I'm alive. And so hearing about what God has to say about our finances gives us a real invitation to transformation. So I want you to just set your heart on like, it's wide open. I am open to hearing what God has to say about my money. All right. How many of you guys are open? Awesome. Well, we're doing this for a few reasons. Uh, one, I love to annually share something on the topic of finance because um, the Bible talks a lot about finance. You know, sometimes people are like, what gives you the right to talk about money in church? Um, the Bible. <laughs> I can't believe you would teach about money again. Okay, how many parables does Jesus include money and possessions? A whole lot, right? Um, if you've ever read The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, there's a little portion in there. How many of you guys have read that book, by the way? Qu okay, not enough of you guys, honestly. Please 
Amazon, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It transformed my life. Uh, Grace testified to uh, tripling, like God tripling their income, right? When I first read The Blessed Life within like three months, I think our income doubled because we got a revelation on how to manage and how to give according to God's word. So it was really powerful for us. But I've been reading um, the prequel to The Blessed Life in preparation for this sermon series. I want to recommend it to you. It's called Beyond Blessed. It's actually Robert Morris's new book, but he considers it the prequel to uh, The Blessed Life. So it's not about generosity. It's about what we're going to be talking about this month, which is stewardship. If you want to live a life that's really blessed and you want to be generous, you have to have something to give. (laughs) It's impossible to be generous if you don't have anything to give. So it's important that we understand God's heart for stewardship so that when it's time to be generous, we actually have something to give. And... uh, and, and not that it's always convenient. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. And um, we're going to ask you to pray and prepare uh, something that we're inviting you into for the very first time, which is an end of year offering that we're going to be doing on the second Sunday of December. So we actually um, have it up here for 901 Dale Brook Lane. Uh, the the new church building that God has allowed us to receive. And um, as you have noticed, and maybe you've been a part of another church before, every church has different ways of going about raising finances for new buildings. And uh, we just felt, I felt in prayer that initially we didn't want to push through a capital campaign to try to raise money, but through good stewardship of our team and your generosity, we were able to save enough money uh, to get started pursuing this building. And so what we're thinking this year is let's just invite the entire family into an opportunity to give into an expansion offering for this church body. So we're going to, we're just going to make space for that. We're going to receive an offering on the second Sunday. It's going to be a special offering. It won't be during our routine time uh, where we're going to invite you to come up and partner with God in sowing a sacrificial seed into your family here at Legacy. So my wife and I, we're going to sow a sacrificial seed into uh, this church. And uh, I love what one pastor taught me one time. He said, it's not a seed until it hurts. Oh boy. You know, but could you pray about it? We, we genuinely want to ask you to pray about it. Um, is God asking you to give anything? Maybe he's not. And if he's not, that's okay. I'll never know. <laughs> I'm not going to comb through the book Sunday afternoon to figure out who gave, okay? Like, I just want to invite you uh, into an opportunity to partner with what God is doing through this family and in this city to give into an expansion offering. And this is something we want to do every year moving forward towards the end of the year is uh, go after um, giving you an opportunity to give into our future. If that sounds good, say, sounds good to me. (laughs) Awesome. You guys are all on board. I hope second service is in favor as well and that they're as on fire as you guys are here in the first service. So Today, what I'm going to do is kick off our stewardship 
uh, series, and we're going to be sharing from the subject, Good and Faithful. Good and Faithful. Everybody say, Good and Faithful. Jesus, help us. We, we, we genuinely come to you. Uh, you told us to come to you boldly. So we approach the throne of grace boldly, and we ask that you would refine us. We ask that you would transform our mindset, Lord. Don't leave us the same throughout this series. God, we want to be stewards of kingdom wealth. We want to impact and influence the world long after we're, we're gone and with you in heaven. And so, God, we ask that you would give us the tools this month to become world changers through our finances in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So I've done a little bit of research on the state of our nation financially, and uh, you may or may not be surprised by some of the stats that I've uncovered. So according to some recent studies, uh, most people report being really stressed about money. Nobody has to say amen or raise your hand. But if we ask for a show of hands... I'm positive that a lot of hands would go up because statistics say that 72% of Americans report being stressed about money every single month. 22% report extreme stress. So, you know, up a notch. Every single month. 76%, three quarters of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 50% of Americans do not have three months of expenses saved. And I, I know that could be, you know, a big mountain for some people to climb, but only half of us uh, as, as Americans um, are able to survive without three months of expenses saved. 25% of Americans have absolutely zero money saved at all. Okay, so as, as a country, for most of us, we are one or two paychecks away from a crisis. And, 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 and that's how we live. These are Christians included. And believe it or not, these are not just financial statistics. Uh, they are also health risk. This was something I was kind of surprised by in my research. But long-term financial stress can lead to migraines, cardiovascular diseases, work absenteeism, insomnia, and other mental health problems, including depression and other mood disorders. Um, I'm sure that we can all think back on a season of our life where we were extremely stressed about money. Can anybody say amen to that? Um, well, I believe that God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to be good stewards. And God wants to bring us to a new level of heart health in how we perceive and manage our money. Are you willing to receive that? So some of us... Um, and here we may have a stewardship problem. So let's just focus in, lock in for the whole month, and um, let's grow in our stewardship. And even if you're an amazing steward, let's take it to the next level. Now, as we kick off, I'm going to read a verse of Scripture, and um, I need somebody's Bible. Can I have some? No, actually, I don't. It's fine. I'll read it off the screen as well with everybody. But I was just realizing I don't have my Scripture in my notes. Matthew 25, and uh, we're going to go to Matthew 25. Um, but as we go to Matthew 25, I want to ask you to daydream with me just a little bit. Would you be willing to do that? 
It got quiet all of a sudden. We're talking about money. Everybody's scared. <laughs> Would you guys be willing to day, daydream with me a little bit? Um, so imagine your life. Uh, imagine never, ever, ever being stressed about finances. Imagine being in a place where um, money fits where you need it to go. Uh, imagine a life in which when God pulled on your heart to give to somebody, you were able to give, give sacrificially without fear. You wouldn't be stressed out about it. Imagine walking through the grocery store and watching uh, perhaps a single mother break down looking uh, at the price tag of food products and feeling a pull from the Holy Spirit to walk over and say, here's a $50 bill. Um, Jesus has a plan for your life. Be blessed uh, without fear and walk away celebrating that God gave you the opportunity to bless somebody. Imagine a life where you weren't stressed about money. For some of us, this feels like Oh, I don't know. That, that would be a supernatural miracle. There's no way I can get there. Can I tell you today, church, you can get there. And, um, you know, believe it or not, entertaining this daydream does not mean that you have to be wealthy to get to that point. Because there's a lot of wealthy people, I can guarantee you this, because the, the, the stats say, say the same thing in regards to wealthy people. There's a lot of wealthy people that stress over money. Like very wealthy people, uh, billionaires, you know, they stress over money. They're, they're, they're worried about money. They fight with their spouse over money. And you would think, oh, they're fine. They have everything that they need. They're not fretting about finances, but they are as well. And so this scenario that we're dreaming about to together, uh, it doesn't take you to be extremely wealthy to be able to bless other people and operate generously, but it does require you to be a good steward of your finances. And so I want to talk about stewardship from a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read 16 verses of Scripture. Are you okay with it? Can you handle it? Right? It's the parable of the three stewards. Um, and we're going to start in verse 14 and make our way to verse 30. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Everybody say God. God. Because he is, uh, he is the central figure of this story, like so many stories in the Bible. Who called his servants. Everybody say me. me. So read yourself into this story. And entrusted them, keyword trust, to them his property. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Everybody say ability. Then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Everybody say good stewardship. Good. <laughs> so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Everybody say good stewardship. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Everybody say bad stewardship. Yeah. And so after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Notice after a long time. You may actually start to think, oh, the master's never coming back. It's no big deal what I do with what I've received. He's taken so long to come back, I'm probably never going to be held accountable for how I've handled the grace and the gifts given to me. But the master is coming back. And he came back to settle the accounts. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. 
God's calling you. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. How many of you guys want to hear that from God? Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had had two talents came forward saying, master, deliver, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And his master said, well done, good and faithful. That's where we're getting our sermon title from today. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, uh, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Remember that right there. So I was afraid. Very, very important that we remember that. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here. You have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. Now that seems pretty harsh. How many of you guys want to hear that from God? I'm like, wicked and slothful? That's a pretty brutal rebuke. As a pastor, I've never said that to anybody ever. I promise. (laughs) You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I where I scattered no seed, question. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, who, uh, from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the, worthless, and, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. Wow, it gets more severe. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so in the story, we, 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 see, we see the actors, right? We see the master who is uh, a representative of God, right? And we see the stewards, which are representative of three different types of stewards. Now, in the scripture, we never see the word steward and we never hear the word stewardship. But if you could categorize what this parable is about, it is all about stewardship. Now, let me give you a definition of what a steward is. A steward is a person employed to manage someone else's property, especially a large house or estate. In the Bible, it refers to a person who is left in charge of another person's assets. To take it a step further, a steward is to protect. Everybody say protect. Maintain. Everybody say maintain. Nurture and grow things. Everybody say grow. So this is what a steward is. If you look at the theme of stewardship biblically, a steward is trusted to one, protect to maintain, and three, nurture and grow things. In the Bible, this might be a business, this could be a farm, this could be a household, this could be some funds. It is anything, keywords, that belong to somebody else. What we learn from the story is that when we are good stewards, we handle someone else's possessions faithfully. 
And by handling somebody else's possessions faithfully, it sets us up to be trusted. Everybody say trusted. To be promoted to receive more. So oftentimes, you know, it is what God, the Bible teaches us, that if we want more, we communicate our readiness for more by how we steward what we currently have. It's so interesting to me that people will ask God for a new car, but haven't taken theirs through the car wash in nine months. We're like, Lord, I can't wait till you bless me with a new vehicle. But you haven't cleaned the French fries out of the back seat from last November. God's going to bless me. Well, biblically, he says, if you will steward what you have, you are communicating to the Father that you are prepared and ready to receive increase. God wants to bless you with more, but to receive more, you must be a wise and generous steward. So I want to give you four points today on how to become a wise, a generous, a faithful steward. How many of you are ready for these four points? How to become a wise, faithful, good and faithful, the sermon title is, a good and faithful steward. In order to become a good and faithful steward, here's point one, you must settle the ownership issue. To become a good and faithful steward, you must settle the ownership issue. Now look at verse 14. It says, and entrusted to them his property. Not their property. Notice this was not a gift. Hey, this now belongs to you. Do with it whatever you would like. The master called the servants to himself and he said, I am going to entrust you with my property. How many of you know that everything that we are belongs to God? If all that you are belongs to God, then how about your stuff? Read the smile. So if you belong to God... Whom does your stuff belong to? Your house, your car, your income, your bank account, your savings account, your investment portfolio. Who does it ultimately belong to? I'm going to do my best Brian Neer impression. Right? Who? Right? It belongs to God. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Read this next part. You are not your own. Still smiling. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Let's look at Luke 17, 33. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. The Bible teaches us that anything that we hold on to with a death grip, out of selfishness, insecurity, or greed, we're going to inevitably lose. And that includes our money. It's one thing to acknowledge that we belong to God, but it's another thing to acknowledge that all that we have 
belongs to God. It's so interesting to me, and I'm going to make a pastoral statement. It's so interesting to me that we sing these beautiful songs. You can have it all, God. Hallelujah. You can have it all. You can take it all. You can have it all. Whoa, it's all yours, Lord. And then like, and then like somebody gets up and it's like, it's time to tithe. Wow. You know, it's so quickly, like the song changes, like, but not that Lord, not that part, God. You, I just, I mean, I'm just fascinated as a pastor. It's just so interesting how quickly the tune shifts. Right. We sing these songs about giving God everything. But when it comes to our finances, we, 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 we cover it, we hoard it. And, and really what's going on in our heart most of the time is fear. Yeah. It, it's, it's fear, right? And so what we're doing this month is we're stepping over that fear. We're stepping over that insecurity by receiving a greater revelation that we are not the owner of our stuff but that everything that we have belongs to God. What about Psalm 24, verse 1? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Everything that is. Everybody say everything. Legally belongs to God. Why? Because He created it. Everything that is legally belongs to God because He created it. Now, here's the good news. God isn't greedy. Isn't that the gospel? But he is extravagantly generous. You are a steward of many things as a result of God's generosity towards you. Money, sure. How about relationships? How about your kids? How about your spouse? How about your friends? How about opportunities and invitations into greater things? God is so generous towards us. If you agree, just say amen. You are not an owner. You are called to be a wise steward. And I want you to remember something today. It's a little phrase. God owns, I steward. Everybody just say that with me. God owns, I steward. And when we receive this understanding, we put God first and we are liberated from the fear of insufficiency. It's, it's, It's interesting to me how when you own a home, the repairs and the upkeep are solely your responsibility, right? This is something Allison and I are going through right now. We're, we're, we're preparing our, our, our first home uh, for rent. And uh, every single thing that's wrong with that place is whose responsibility? Bummer, right? Because when you're a renter, you don't wake up in the middle of the night at 3.30 a.m. and stay awake until 5, worried about the leaky roof. Because you're not an owner. You see that it's leaking a little bit. What do you do? Yo, uh, you got a leak in your roof, bro. (laughs) Slept, Slept like a baby last night, right? But when you're an owner, there's a greater degree of responsibility. And see, when we take ownership over stuff... We get riddled with this insecurity. We get riddled with this fear of insufficiency rather than seeing ourselves as a steward of God's property. Through prayer, we can pick up the phone and say, Lord, 
there's something going on wrong with the house that I live in, with the world that I'm living in. I need your help in fixing this problem. We are stewards. God is the owner. And when we receive this mindset, this paradigm shift becomes so freeing for us. And I'm not talking about alleviating personal responsibility. I'm talking about dealing with the ownership issue deep in your heart. Just because I rent a house doesn't mean I don't take care of it for the owner. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that in here this morning. But this paradigm is so freeing. And how do you do that? How do you settle the ownership issue? I thought we could pray out loud together. Let's pray and confess this together. God is the owner of everything. All that I am and all that I have, I am a steward. Holy Spirit, help me receive the dynamic mindset of a steward. Help me to give God all always and forever. If you receive that, just say amen. Here's point two. Be grateful for what you've got now. This is how to become a good and faithful steward. Be grateful for what you've got now. Notice that the master, when he brought the servants to himself, he entrusted to them each a different amount. Now, I'm I'm not trying to be, you know, you know, bust anybody's chops that tries to be overly politically correct. But, you know, if this was happening in our day and age, we'd have a protest outside. Unfair. You gave that person more. That's unfair. You're not actually generous. You're terrible. I can't believe you'd give that person five talents and this guy one. Like, that's unfair. That's not right. Right? It's kind of the way we might see it. But if you look at verse 15, he didn't give them uh, random amounts. He gave them amounts based upon their. He didn't give them random amounts. He gave them money based upon their. That means that all of the stewards had history with the master, that this wasn't their first rodeo. He had witnessed and watched closely. And if you don't think God is watching closely how you steward your finances, let me just tell you right now, he's looking at how you swipe that debit card. All right, he's watching. All right, if I could look at your uh, bank statement, I could tell you what you love. Right, I could tell you where your heart is, what you spend money on. That's scary for some people. But the the master had history with the stewards. And so he had watched them. And based upon their past history with the master, he awarded them amounts on the basis of their abilities. That means that he had a perception of their ability to steward what he was giving them. He had a perception. How many of you know his perception is always accurate? The amount that each steward was given was given on the basis of their ability. That means he's aware of the track record. We as stewards have a history with the master. And God is aware of how much each of us can handle. He is. And uh, let let me give you guys 
uh, a little bit of an understanding of how much money was given here, okay? So I'm going to show you the modern equivalents, okay? So the modern equivalents, this is, here's how I arrived at this number, okay? So uh, one talent was equivalent to 30 years of, of, of working from a, um, from, you know, an average wage, okay? So this is the best that I can do. We might get to heaven and God says this is the incorrect amounts. Okay, I don't know, but at least we're close. Okay, we're close. I know we're at least close. And so what I did was, is I looked at what is the average median income for Americans right now in 2019? It's about $47,000 annually. And so times that by 32, here's what you get. One talent is $1.5 million and some change. Two talents is just over $3 million. And five talents is $7.5 million. How many of you guys would like to be that five talent guy? Hallelujah. Seven, you know. And here's the thing a lot of people don't want to recognize. You have what you have for a reason. God has given it to you. God owns it. And the most appropriate response that we can have to what God has given us to steward is this. Gratitude. God, I'm thankful for what you've given me. I'm thankful that you've entrusted to me this amount. Even if that amount seems small to you, I'm grateful that you've entrusted to me to steward this amount. I believe with all my heart, guys, that God wants to bless us. But maybe the reason that we don't have more is because we've yet to become thankful for what we have. Everybody say, I'm grateful. We must be grateful to use what we have because as I mentioned in the first point, this sets us up to be trusted to receive more and everybody can receive more. Amen? So how do you get grateful for what you've got? To get grateful for what you've got, to to communicate gratitude to God for what you have, say these four words with me, live... That's like a cuss word. You know what I'm saying? So to communicate. Everybody say, that's real. You never, never put those two things together, have you? I mean, maybe you have. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I'm just saying, like, when you, when you, when you think about it, right, like, to say, God, I'm grateful for what I have. How do you communicate that? By living within your means. I'm grateful for what I have by living within my means. That lets him know that you're ready for the next level of blessing. You've stewarded what you've been given faithfully in a good way. And with gratitude, you're grateful. I'm living within my means. Now I'm set up for blessing. Here's point three. Decide what kind of steward you're going to be. Are you going to be good and faithful or are you going to be wicked and slothful? You're already one or the other. Let's just, let's just let that sit there for a little bit. Ouch. Now God's calling me from Mozambique. They don't know we're in church. Yeah, it could be Mama Heidi. I don't know. Maybe I should have answered it. What do you think? Call her back. You want to call her back and see if it's her? 
What if it is her and she totally has a word for us? Right? It was from Mozambique. I don't know where she is. It, it honestly could have been her. A real talk. It could have been. We'll, I'll call her back after service and I'll put it on my Instagram if it was her. Whatever her word was. All right? It's for you. So, so here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. You're already one or the other. Man, isn't that like, that's kind of like, ouch. Or maybe it's like, yes. Right? But we have to take this seriously, guys, because we're already stewards. You don't get to decide to become a steward. You're already a steward. What you get to choose is what kind of steward are you going to be? Are you going to be good and faithful? Or are you going to be slothful and wicked? Is this hitting home for you guys? So what do good stewards do? If you're, gonna, if, you're, if you're like, I want to be good and faithful, here's what good stewards do. They protect and, read that last word for me, please. Now, this is very interesting because I think that when you consider stewardship, a lot of times when we think about stewardship, what we, what we think is, I have a super tight budget and, and I don't have a lot of debt. Is that what you guys think about when you think about stewardship? Like, like this word stewardship has become very popular in the church. And so the way that we think about it is extremely practical. We, we, we're like, okay, I got my, my budget's locked in. Like my mint.com account is like thorough. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't have any credit card debt. I got some good debt. What's up, Dave Ramsey? You know, it's like I'm a good steward, right? But stewardship goes beyond just protecting what God has given you well. You must move into expansion to what God has given you. And here's where we're taking some ground in the spirit today. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Somebody shout amen. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. That he may confirm his covenant. So there is not just a power in regards to wealth. There is also a purpose. Somebody say purpose. Which is to expand the master's kingdom. There is a purpose in wealth. And that is to expand the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We protect and we expand. You must today decide to become a good steward because, guys, God can't bless a bad steward. Wow. The Father, the Master, is looking for folks who will take the resources that He gives and be grateful and not only protect it but expand it. If the only thing that was meant by good stewardship was protecting what was given, then the third steward would have been considered good and faithful as well. Okay, so here's the revolutionary thought for the day. You can be rich and a bad steward. Does that make sense? Because if I'm not expanding on the basis of what God has given me in such a way that affects the world for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, then I am stewarding halfway. I'm halfway there. Protection 
has to lead to expansion. And, and I know many believers that feel they're called to steward great wealth for the kingdom of God. Like, I, I mean, some of you guys go to church here. I meet people all the time and they're like, I feel called to finance. And I'm like, yes, and amen, let's go. But God doesn't bless them because they're not ready. He knows that that level of blessing would actually destroy them because abundance is a far greater test of character than poverty. Guys, listen to what I'm saying. Abundance is a far greater test of character than poverty. When you're in poverty, you only have just a little bit. It's, it's much easier to manage that and steward that in a right way. Even Jesus says, if you can't steward that in a right way, you won't be trusted with the true riches. You know what the true riches are? It's not even money. It's souls. And I believe with all my heart, and I'll borrow this from Bill, Bill Johnson, he said, God has no problem entrusting the resources of this world into people whose hearts is anchored in another. No problems. Because their heart is set on advancing that covenant kingdom that God has made with his people. So how do you do this? Protect God's resources by living within your means. Expand God's resources by investing in places that bless what God loves most. People. Everybody say people. People. Do I need to read that again? You guys are getting quiet on me now at the end of the message, okay? I'm almost finished, all right? I only got one more point. Can you hold on just a little bit longer? Are you good? Let's go. So protect God's resources by living within your means. Expand God's resources by investing in places that bless what God loves most, people. Now, I, I can think of a lot of great places to invest finance. You know where I think the best place is? The local church. You know why I believe that? Because there is no greater incubator of personal destiny than the local church. There is no place that transforms people like the local church. Moving on, because i got to finish. Point four, remember the master shall return. Remember the master shall return. Matthew 25, 19 says, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The master will return, and when he does, church, he's going to settle up on his accounts. Consider Romans chapter 14, verse 10. For, all we, uh, for we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, that every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Does that sound scary to you guys? Like, I mean, let's be honest, right? It's like sometimes we read scriptures like that and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm hope, I hope I'm saved. You know, I, I just, I remember as a, you know, as a young person, like so often doubting, like I would do just one like small thing and it's sin and I'm not minimizing it, but it would just be like, whoa, I'm going to hell. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, me too. No, listen, <laughs> the blood of Jesus is not so fragile, all right, like I'm not saying you shouldn't repent. Yes, we need to repent. But the problem here is not the fragility of the blood. It's our perspective of the father. Wow. Listen, here's why I bring this up is because consider the response of the third steward. He said, I know you to be this terrible person. Wow. Master, I know you to to steal. 
from fields that you never planted in. I know you to be hard and harsh. And when we read this verse of scripture, some of us are like, yeah, 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 that is how, that is how God is. Look, he had a wrong perception of the master and his wrong perception led him to wrong stewardship. When we have the wrong perspective on the Father, it leads us to wrong stewardship with our finances. But when we get the right perspective on the Master, that He has joy for us to enter into, and it is His good privilege, and out of His goodness and the overflow of His grace, that He blesses us because He is generous, right? We'll be able to steward properly instead of being afraid, which is what the third steward said. I was so afraid. He had the wrong approach to the master. He had the wrong approach to the father. Some of us have this same approach when it comes to our money to God. I'm so afraid of God taking my money. It's his money anyway. Like he cannot legally steal from you. It's his. Like, if I let you borrow my car, asking for it back is not stealing from you. In fact, it shouldn't even really be a sacrifice. You knew I gave you the keys. Did you forget? My name's on the title. God's going to take my money. That's the wrong perspective of the master. The master is good. This third bad steward began to make excuses. He saw himself as a victim. Dang, I'm getting in trouble now. Because you didn't do this, God, and because you didn't do that, and because you're this way, I don't have enough. I don't have any money. I don't have anything. A wrong perspective of the Father will lead to wrong stewardship in our finances. And because of all these complaints, how did the master respond? He responded harshly. Church, we have to get a revelation of God's goodness, his faithfulness, his love. We are not personally and solely responsible to be on the lookout for danger and threats concerning our finances. They are God's finances. He owns them. We get to steward them. And when we get this revelation settled in our spirit, we set ourselves up for supernatural multiplication, increase, and abundance. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? God help us. You know, bad stewards can be people who refuse to make a budget. But the worst stewards are not those who don't budget, but those who don't trust God. Can I say that again? The worst stewards are not those who don't budget, but those who don't trust God. So here's how we're going to finish with a prayer and a confession. All right. So the last one, if you guys don't mind to stand with me, we're going to pray and confess this out loud. Uh, Pray and confess. Pray and confess. All right. God is good. God is generous. He has graciously given me so much. I am thankful. I choose to steward his resources faithfully without any fear, knowing that there's always enough and I am ever expanding his kingdom through my obedience. Amen.
Amen. Amen.